Hello, listeners. Welcome, Twim Nation. This is Tiffany Hales and Ariane Smith. We're the Twim Sisters here for our monthly podcast. Yes, we are. To discuss all things related to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In the news, as they frequently show up. Exactly. (laughs) It is now the end of summer. We are on the countdown until school starts. We have... Four days. Four days. I'm going to clean my sticky floors and it will be sticky floor season no more. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> We're excited. We're ready. We've had a great summer. I know. I know. We have to, you know, but again, I mean, it is the end of the summer and my house is just trashed. Oh, mine is too. So trashed. Like I can hardly even stand it trashed. And I'm like, okay, school needs to get, and I can't, I can't justify cleaning it until no, they are actually get no. their little heinies back in it school. It will last Will not last. No, will not (laughs) last. So, yes. Okay. So, other random new things with me. I mean, this isn't anything like super exciting, but my husband did come into Relief Society today and sing. Ooh, a man in Relief Society. Okay. You with the ukulele. With the ukulele. Now, that wouldn't be a band instrument in the chapel, but I think in the classroom, it's okay. Anything goes in the Relief Society room. It's true. Okay. Now, you have to give the background here as to why your husband is, uh, is canoodling with his ukulele. I know. In Relief Society. This was him bailing me out of my call. Of course. So uh, me turning to my partner in crime and saying, help. (laughs) Okay. Well, why don't you explain what you were doing? I am in charge of the Release Society events. For our ward, you know, the like month, the month, the monthly events, which we used to call enrichment, and now yes. I don't know what we call them. Yeah, it was enrichment. It was home homemaking. Now it's just a release society meeting. A relief society meeting. Um, so, in lieu of our monthly meeting this month, we are supposed to get as many sisters as our from our ward as possible to go to our stake does a humanitarian okay. day every month. And so, my release society presidency contacted me and said, "Hey." Instead of our activity, we want to do this. How can we get our sisters to go? Because I don't think we really have that great of a showing. Okay. <laughs> Historically, our stake does this every month. Okay. It's like a service project. And and, and your word is a little it this is, a, is a little light. Yeah. Every we're month. Light. We're sponsoring Plus you're sponsoring it. it. So we really should show up. <laughs> Fair enough. So it was requested that we come up with some type of creative way. To get the announcement out, to get the word out, something different, something other than just like, here's your flyer, show up. Yeah. Here's your poster, point right here. Yeah. Yeah. Look and take notes. So here's your email, just to remind you. Yes. So it was suggested. Now, does your ward have a Facebook group? No, we don't. Our ward has a Facebook group, so we get announcements in the Facebook group as oh, well. Oh, that would be nice. No, we need one of those. Yeah, except, you know, more and more people are moving away from Facebook and going to the Instagram. That's true. So anyway, they sorry need, to... They need Instagram groups, but Instagram doesn't have groups. No. Maybe we just need a page. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. So... I was told, you know, a poem would be great or a skit or some musical jingle. And I am thinking, (laughs) I am not musical. That creative gene skipped you. Yes. So I sat on it for a day or two and I I couldn't even think of any rhymes. Like I was just stumped. And part of it was like the stress of back to school. Yeah. And my brain not functioning. Because normally you are a very creative person because you and I will sit down to like do rhymes and stuff and we can play off each other. We can if we're, if I'm in the right mood. If we're in the right moods. Cause comes and goes. But yeah, I, I, I agree. The doldrums of summer and taking care of your children zap every creative cell out yes, of you. It's true. And I was also sick this week and That's I can't right. hear out of one of your st- Anyway, I'm a mess. So I was mentioning this to my husband. Okay. Casually mentioning this. And he said, well, I'll do it. He said, I'll come play my ukulele. And I was like, are you kidding? Or are you serious? Because <laughs> if you're serious, I'm going to jump on that opportunity. <laughs> And he was serious. He was serious. He's very creative like that. And he's really good at rhyming and like coming up with little tunes. And okay. Stuff. So how long did it take him to write a jingle? Oh my gosh. He's like, just email the information. So I emailed him the information like a day later, like the announcement. Uh-huh. And like by the time he got home from work that day, a couple hours later, he's like, oh yeah, I, lo- I did a little thing. And it, he's like, oh, it just took me like 10 minutes. Like seriously. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we took our show on the road. We okay. hit Release Society, we hit Primary, and we hit Young Women's with his little ukulele jingle. Oh, so this is just like a road show. 
Like the old-fashioned road yes, shows. Yes, we got the announcement out that second hour. Okay, so tell me now. Now he now when I was over here last night, he played it for me, and I was I I, I bowed. I was humbled to be in his presence. Tell me how this went over in Relief Society. Oh, it was great. People were listening. I tell you what, if you want someone to listen to your announcements, play them with a ukulele and sing them. This is like opened my eyes to a whole new world. Oh, I'm dang. like, okay, I need to save this now that I know I have this power because <laughs> I cannot even tell you like the, like you could tell people were listening. How often does that happen during announcements at church? And nobody listens. Here's what I do during announcements in Release <laughs> Society. I'm usually talking to my friend who's sitting next to me catching up. Exactly. So now I know I have the secret power in my pocket. I feel like, well, we're going to have to save this for when we have a really important message. Exactly. And we're going to have to pull it out again. It, it's one of those things so. where you can't uh, you can't fire all your ammunition no. at once. We can't. It has to be this. used sparingly. We're, we're going to have effect. to keep this for for very very important emergency announcements. Exactly. So. Well, you will have to follow up with how your turnout is uh, to see if uh, not only did they enjoy the announcement that, but they then went, yeah, I should go to humanitarian day. <laughs> yeah. So. We'll see. So when is your activity? Oh, it's not this week, but the next the week. The next week. Oh, so the kids will be back in school. Um, or no, some of them will. Our kids will be. Most of the kids won't. Okay. Most of the kids in our ward go to a different school. Long story. Anyway. Okay. All right. Well, you follow up and let us know. I'll let you know. So in, How about you? What's going on at your house? Well, in my husband news, since we are discussing husbands, uh, my husband, of course, as I have talked about, is the Scoutmaster. And so, of course, with being the Scoutmaster comes the summer ritual. At least, hopefully, maybe this is the last summer we have this summer ritual. I mean, they might do it next summer, but I have an idea. It's going to be called something entirely It'll different. It'll have a new name. It'll have a new name. Anyway, Scout Camp. Scout Camp. Now, rather than go to the traditional, we would like to pay every dime we have to the BSA Scout Camp that is available in our area. Right. Uh, which is known as Camp Morrison, where basically all the leaders have to do is show up and babysit. My husband said, nope, we're not doing that. They do their own. And he, have they always done their own? No, they have not always done their own. They've, they've gone back and they forth go between okay. going to the local scout camp. But uh, this year he said, you know, nope, we're not going to spend $2,500 sending boys to scout right, camp. Right, especially when they're all on the way out. Exactly. When they're all on the way out, we because, yeah, what do you need a merit badge for? Right. And so, because at least in our ward, I mean, the boys who want to have their Eagle Scout done, um, their families and their moms and dads are really pushing it. And of course, my husband is supportive, but he just has stepped back and said, hey, anybody who wants to do it, I'm willing to help you, but I'm not pushing anybody. So right. just let me know what you want to do. So he kind of created his own scout camp and they had a blast. Now, my hat's off to him because I can't, well, first of all, I can't imagine camping because that's not my thing. Motel 6 is roughing it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but he took this group of about five or six 12-year-olds up in the mountains. Okay. And then he had uh, three or four adults with him as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't even imagine taking 12-year-olds in the mountains. No. That's just like my little brain, well, 12 and 13-year-olds can't compute. Um, but he had a blast with them. They mm -hmm. um, did a couple of days of uh, some day backpacking, and they did an overnight backpack, and they had a base camp. And they ended the whole thing by um, doing a river trip down the river on Ooh, the last day. That's so that's exciting. The most important thing, no scouts were harmed or injured in this activity. That's always good. It is always good. And no good. forest fires were ignited. No forest fires were ignited. That's also important. So, you know, my husband loves to camp and he loves to get the boys out in the woods. And so I suspect whatever the new program is, I am guessing that there's probably going to be a lot of latitude yeah. for local leaders to do what they need to with their kids. And, you know, he's got a group of kids who like to camp. And so I suspect the camping will continue to take place and maybe they'll call it like young men's camp. I, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. We're all anxiously waiting. Or it'll be young men's camp, formerly known as scout camp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, should we should we move on to some news? Yes. Okay. We have a bunch of reality TV. Every we do. The past couple times we've podcasted, yeah. there are yeah. people of our 
church membership. Yes. All over reality TV. All over days. reality TV. I don't think we had very many last month, but I know the, month, the before month before we, we had, had a, a lot. Yeah. And so now we have even more updates. Okay. So, so first update, we us. talked about them not last month, but the month before probably. I think so. Um, JK Studios, you know, the or studio. maybe it was last maybe month. Maybe it was last month. I don't know. Yeah. It's I, all blur. Mom, summer mom brain. <laughs> JK Studios, the former Studio C, original Studio C cast. Yes. Went on to do JK Studios. They were on a TV show that's been on, is it NBC? It's on NBC. Called Bring the Funny. No. Show me the funny. Show me the funny. Bring the funny. Bring the funny. Okay. You talk about it and I'll Google it. <laughs> I should know this. I forgot. Something about the funny. Um, they made it through the first round. And then early in August, they had their second round where they were competing against another comedy troupe. They also made it through with flying colors. Yes. Bring the funny. Bring the funny. It's called bring the funny. Yeah. So they advanced once again. So oh. now we're waiting to see when they will go on again. When they'll appear It'll, it'll again. probably be within the next couple weeks. Okay. Um, but they're fun to watch on there. <laughs> and the judges love them so far. Good, so. good, good, good. Yeah. Well, I saw an interesting bit today uh, that uh, I guess uh, BYU TV was doing a uh, a a fall TV preview or something like that down in Los Angeles with the mm-hmm. uh, with TV critics. And I guess when they had done it several months ago, they got lambasted about the church and its policies on LGBTQ issues. Oh. Uh, but today, apparently, the TV critics were much nicer to the BYU TV people because the poor BYU TV people last time were just like. We're just here to talk about our shows oh. and our programming. So, <laughs> so this time they didn't get, they did not. And they were, the huh. reason I thought of it is they were talking about their new Studio C cast right. that will be premiering and uh, for season 10. And I guess they like them so much they've already ordered season, season 11. Oh, that's a good sign. Yeah. So, all right. But let's talk about the show so you can think, so you think you can dance. Uh, in keeping with the tradition of Utah produces amazing dancers, there are two dancers yeah. on the show right I feel now. Like every season, the show has at least one LDS person. Oh right? yes, at least. Honestly, having you know lived in Utah for a brief period of time, having a child who was involved in dance in Utah, I would venture to say, outside of New York and LA, I don't think there is any more competitive place for dance than in Utah. Right. It is huge there. And they have, because of that, they attract super, super talented um, uh, instructors. And, you know, when you've got, you know, kids and, and the majority of these kids that involve who are involved are members of the church. Right. And so, you know, this is a great activity. They like to participate in it. Their parents think it's wholesome. Anyway. Aside from that, there are two siblings, a Stephanie Sosa and an Ezra Sosa, and they are both on So You Think You Can Dance right now. They are in the finals. They both made it to the top 10. Now, they're not dancing together. They're actually competing against each other. They are, they are Is actually- Is that what I understood yes. from the article? So they're, I mean, ultimately, they're competing against each other. Stephanie had gone on the show last year, but didn't make it to top 10. And she wanted to go back. And I guess her brother is a pretty amazing dancer. And she's only 19 or 20. He's 18. He's very young. He's really young. And so um, she talked him into going on to the show with her um, because she said, I knew I could dance better if I had my brother there. Right. So he goes on to the show with her and they both make it to top 10. And what's really interesting is um, they come from soccer parents. Their parents never in their wildest dreams imagined that they would have these dancer children. Their dad was an assistant soccer coach at BYU. Oh, really? And their mom played soccer, and that's how the two of them met. Their parents, interestingly enough, are both immigrants, uh, which is, again, uh, very timely in today's uh, society. So their parents are both immigrants. And so Stephanie first started dancing, and then Ezra saw what Stephanie was doing. This was when she was probably like six, seven years old. Uh And he demanded to go to dance class. And it says at first his father was just mortified. His dreams were crushed. His (laughs) dreams were crushed. He wanted a soccer player, not a dancer. But he could see his son's passion for it and eventually came uh-huh. around and uh-huh. uh their mother apparently has had a stroke so they're kind of dancing for her and uh-huh. and so um the finals will start monday night so we are recording on a sunday so tomorrow night 8 p.m on fox uh if you're interested in watching them all right okay the next reality tv show uh 
American Ninja Warrior, which have is you, always a fun show. Have, have you, you ever, I've watched it. Like not all the time. Yeah. No, if it's on, I'll watch it. It's fun yeah, to watch. Exactly. And, and my kids like my to watch kids it too. Are really into. Yeah. yeah. If it's on, they're like, oh, I want to watch. I want to watch. Cause yeah. it's just amazing what these people can do. I am blown <laughs> away. Like literally blown away when I watch these people. Yeah. I, I'm like, never in my wildest dreams have I ever been that physically fit to even begin to imagine to do what you're doing. No, it's amazing. So right now there is a member of the church who is from St. George. She's a nurse. She yes. is a former gymnast at at Southern Utah University, and she has advanced to the national finals. Her name is Maddie Howard. Um, so yeah, she she made it past her. I think she auditioned in Washington. Yeah, she was. She was in Tacoma, and now she's going on to the nationals, which will be in Las Vegas. And they haven't announced when that will be airing, but I think it will be sometime in the next couple weeks. Exactly. So, so go watch her. That'll check be check your to local watch. TV listings. So, yeah, that will be fun and to watch. She's also a mom, so she has I don't know how many kids, but she is a mom. Okay. That's that's even more I know. like it makes it even more. I mean, she's young. She's only yeah. twenty-three, I think. Ex- I think she was tw- yeah, yeah, very young. And the other thing she talks about is how well uh, her gymnastics have helped her succeed right. in this show. Yeah. So, um, all right, one last reality TV shout out. We have Whitney Carson. She was a member of the church or is a member of the church. Uh, she was on Dancing with the Stars. I think she still is on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, they haven't announced their next cast yet, to my knowledge. But if you remember, several seasons ago, she won the Mirabal Trophy with Alfonso Ribeiro. I'm not sure how his last name is pronounced. He was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I always just refer to him as Alfonso. Okay. So he apparently in the past has hosted this game show called Catch 21. Uh, He hosted it from 2008 to 2011. They're going to do a reboot of the show. I've never heard of this show. I've never heard of it either. Apparently it is a blackjack style game. Okay. You answer trivia questions to build your playing cards. Okay. And you want to get as close to 21 as you can. So- Alfonso is going to be the host of the show, and the lovely Whitney will be the card dealer. Oh, she's the dealer. <laughs> she's the dealer. So she's not a contestant. No, she will be passing out the cards to the contestants. <laughs> oh, so that's funny. Look for that. And, and I hope she returns to Dancing with the Stars. I'm sure she probably will. She's this is ex- her side hustle. Yeah, I think this is her <laughs> side hustle. She's extremely popular on that show. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so... Adjacent to reality TV, you have a movie that you I, want to tell us about. I do. I had not heard of this until I you showed me this article. I had not heard of it either. And I was kind of blown away because I like to fancy myself that I usually keep up on the uh, on the movies that have a content, a Latter-day Saint content to them. Um, this is a movie that was done by T.C. Christensen. Many people recognize him from 17 Miracles, Ephraim's Rescue. He's done a lot of movies, obviously, that have, um, he did Cokeville Miracle. Like historical. Historical mm-hmm. and, uh, and church themes to them. Mm-hmm. So he read this book called A Lion and a Lamb. Uh, and he, so he reads this book and he gets this inspiration to make this movie. And the movie is called The Fighting Preacher. So let me give you a little background here. This is based on a true story. So in 1915, the church assigned a uh, one-time middleweight boxer named Willard Bean and his wife, Rebecca. They gave them a mission assignment. The church had just purchased the Joseph Smith farm, and they said, go out to Palmyra, live in the Joseph Smith farm, make friends with the neighbors, and we want the Hill Camorra. So see what you could do about arranging to purchase the Hill Camorra. This is fascinating. So fascinating. Never heard, never heard it. So this is supposed to be a five-year mission. Uh-huh. So he lands there. And of course, there is a lot of hatred towards the church right. in 1915 when he lands there. So at first he's like, oh, I'm going to start boxing people. And he starts challenging people to box. Uh-huh. Well, that doesn't really endear him to the neighbors, so to speak. So apparently, finally, his his wife said, hey, you need to let go of your anger and let's try and be a little kinder and love these people. Mm-hmm. 
So this five-year mission ended up turning into a 25-year mission uh, before they ended up leaving and they were able to turn the hearts of the people around so that they became accepting of the saints. They bought themselves a little hill called Camorra and uh, now we have a pageant there. <laughs> Right. Amazing. At least for one more year. So they made he made this movie. It's already out, right? Yes, he made the movie. I'm it, sure in Utah. Yeah. Did it, it was, go to theaters or is it like direct to No. It went to theaters in Utah. They released it on Pioneer Day, July twenty fourth. And then it said this weekend, uh the ninth, the weekend of the ninth of August, uh-huh. it was going to be released in Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Idaho. I checked our local listings. I can't find it here in the Boise area. I don't know if it's... It must be Eastern Idaho. If maybe it's Eastern Idaho, if maybe it will make its way to Boise. I hope it does. I'd like to see it. I was reading some of the reviews on it, and Uh I've liked T.C. Christensen's movies. I mean, they're good family movies. They always have a great story to them. Right. I love anything that's based on a real story. So um, I hope that it does come to the theater so we get a uh, get an uh-huh. opportunity to see it. Okay, though, I have to say the movie poster. Did you see the movie poster? Oh, yes. You better talk about the movie oh poster. My gosh. It's hilarious. Cheesiest line ever. What was it? It was like an, a whole new meaning to the laying on of hands. Yes. And I had a picture of him with the boxing gloves. I was like, oh, no, you had me until you put in that laying on of hands. I line. know. It's set- I don't know about it now. <laughs> The movie poster said he believed in the laying on of hands. Oh, that's what it was. As he's sitting there with his boxing oh, gloves. Oh, that's not good. So, <laughs> bad jokes. It was a bad joke. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So, okay. Well, if you watch it, you'll have to report back. Okay. So, okay. What do we have next? Oh, we have some hymn updates. You oh. know, we love to discuss the new hymn book. <laughs> Even though it's like years and years away, we just can't quit talking about it. I know ever since they announced it, which was like about a year ago, we've been talking about submissions. We've been talking about hymns that should stay, hymns that should come. That's right. So Deseret News had a big article out um, this past, about two weeks ago, this past- was August 4th. August 4th. Okay. I guess that wasn't that long ago. It just feels like week. Feels like a month ago. Uh, so they did a big article because the submissions obviously closed in July of this year. July 1st. No more submitting. Although they would take anything that arrived after July 1st if, if it was, was postmarked. postmarked. Yes. yes. They had to cut it off. Anyway. Just like taxes. Got to yes. be postmarked. That's right. So they did this article interviewing uh, the secretary of the committee that is going to do this. It's a committee of 14 people. They received 17,000 songs. That is mind-boggling. That's between the the hymn book and the children's song. Yes. Combined. 17,000. So just to give that like some relate like perspective for the 1985 hymn book, they got 6,000 submissions. Well, the church is bigger since the then. The church is bigger, and they're also doing it for the children's true hit, uh, songbook, which in 85, it was just the hymn book. But it said they were expecting- Well, they updated the children's songbook at some point in time. At some point, but I don't think it was that same year, was it? I don't know, because when I was growing up, it was the orange hymn book called Sing With and Me. And it did turn blue sometime and in it the did turn blue. 80s I, They may have updated it at the same time. I don't know. Maybe it was. Anyway, anyway they were expecting about 10,000. They got 17,000. They said they there is a committee of 14 members that will review all of this. And then, she, but she also said uh, that they are forming these subcommittees yes. that have people from around the world. Yes. So they're trying to get not just these 14 members, but they're trying to get lots of international from input. other people. Um, honestly, this sounds like a nightmare of a meeting. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, You've they- got 17,000 of these things. You have 14 people on this committee, and then you're forming subcommittees under yeah. that. This sounds like it will take forever. <laughs> well, and they have a criteria. And so first thing they're going to do, their criteria is the songs must increase faith and worship in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, teach core doctrine, Joyful singing, comfort the weary, and inspire people to endure in faith and unify. Right. Now, you know, my recollection was when they first announced this new handbook that they were kind of thinking that they would get it out somewhere in 2020, maybe 2021, somewhere in that time frame it was supposed to come out because they also announced it was going down to about 170 hems, you know, so they were going to slash it in half. 
Well, what they say right here in the article is it says the project is immense and it will take years to complete. Yeah. So we have no idea. We have no idea. How long? So interesting though, they said as far as slashing the current hymns, uh-huh. they've already been working on that. Yes. Because so. tell tell our listeners how many suggestions for additions and subtractions to the right. current hymns they received. Well, they said that um, they're sifting through 45,000 suggestions received through online feedback survey. Now, I want to talk about the survey for a minute. Okay, let's talk about the survey. I have a question for you. Have you ever gotten a survey from the church? Um, Like an online feedback survey? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, neither have I. But have I ever told you that my husband is on their list? No. He has been on their list for probably about four years now, at least four years, maybe really? more. How did he get on the list? I have no idea, but I'm incredibly jealous. And every time he gets a new survey and tells me about it, I'm like, why can't I get a survey? <laughs> because for some reason he's on their list and it's like a continual, it wasn't a one-time thing. They have sent him over the past four years, several surveys. He probably gets a cup, at least a couple a year. Get and out of town. He didn't get a him one. So oh, which is unfortunate because he's a musical he guy. He has opinions. I <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he didn't get a him one. So okay. he's on some other survey list. So, but he's been surveyed on everything from like his scripture study, uh, his um, callings, his feelings on the priesthood, his feelings on women in the priest. Like he's been surveyed on so many things over really? the years. Random things. Did he get? Did he get the garment survey? Uh, you know what? I can't remember. I know that like you could go online and uh-huh. click like on a survey monkey and complete a survey to at least for the women's garments to express what you liked oh. and did not like. This was probably four or five years, maybe four years ago. I don't know if he got maybe a garment five years survey. Ago. I'll have to ask um, him. So you didn't have to get that one. That one you could go online right. and like, you know, say. So I wonder if this 45,000, because I know that they had, uh-huh. I remember us talking before that they had, they did have some sort of link that you could directly connect to them and say, hey, get right. rid of this song. So maybe this was a you opt-in survey. I think this was a you opt-in Not survey. an email to exclusive exactly. special people. Like my husband. I exactly. Can you tell him I'm jealous? For well, years, I've been like, I want a survey because I love surveys. Like when I, I get love surveys to do too. the TV the It's TV like being survey. picked for jury, tree duty. What's the TV one called? The Nielsen? The Nielsen's. I got chosen for that once. Like over 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was like, I was so excited. It was like Christmas. I was like, yes, my voice will be heard. This is why you and I share a brain. So, Because I, I love good survey myself. I'm really jealous of his service. Anyway. And back, now that you've told me I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to extend my jealousy with yours. I know. I want to be on the church survey list. I have opinions. Well, so. maybe they don't want our opinions. That might be why. <laughs> maybe. Our opinions might skew the survey. Maybe. So anyway, back to the hymn thing. Yes, back to the So hymns. they got so many suggestions, 45,000 suggestions through the online feedback survey of recommendations of hymns to keep or remove from the current hymn book. So uh, this woman that he interviewed, <clears throat> oh, what was her name? The secretary, Livingstone is her last name, Audrey Livingstone. Okay. Uh, the man who wrote this article, Tad Watt, Tad Walsh for the Deseret News, he has a separate column that came out a couple days after he wrote this article. Okay. And it's called Tad Talk. And so in Tad Talk column, he was talking a little bit more about his interview with Audrey Livingstone. Oh, really? And he said that they, of course, talked about the most popular hymn that is being requested to be in the new hymn book is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, which, of course, we've discussed on here before. Exactly. That's not a huge surprise. And Thank you, Mac Wilberg. (laughs) Yes. And she said to him um, that the chances are very good that it will show up in the new hymn book. So that's a good sign. Now, she also mentioned Amazing Grace was hugely popular oh, uh, request of okay. people to be in, but she did not give any hints as to whether that will be included. I want to know what the most popular was to go out. To get out, me too. I know. Because I have to tell you, we had state conference today, and I always look forward to state conference because we always sing like really good popular yes. hymns in state conference. So I get in there today, I'm looking at the program, I flip over the back of the program to see, you know, what the words are for the song that, you know, we're the closing song we're singing. Mm-hmm. And it is 
There is sunshine in my soul. Oh, it's your favorite sunny song. There was no <laughs> sunshine in my soul. I'm like, folks, I'm campaigning. I want the sunshine hit sunshine hymns out. The fact that we are promoting these in general conference, and I think there was a, or in state conference, I believe last general conference, they sang a sunshine hymn. And my heart sank That's a little bit. That's not a good sign for you, my dear. It is not a good sign for me. I'm going to be eternally cursed <laughs> with sunshine hymns. <laughs> so yes, we will have to see. That was the only hint she dropped. But hopefully this reporter maintains a really good relationship with her. And I hope when so all too. is said and done, she can give some more tidbits of what might be getting the boot. I know. <laughs> That's what I want to know. What's going? Yes. <laughs> because I don't. I I think the addition of come now font is kind of a well. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's kind of a given. There right. will be uproar if it's not exactly. All right. Our next story is about a missionary whose mission took a little bit of a different turn than he had anticipated. Um, this is a young man by the name of uh, Kyle Dory, and he lives in Laramie, Wyoming. And he received his mission call. He was to go to New York, I believe, the Rochester area. Mm-hmm. And um, he was looking forward to January 23rd, 2019, because that was the day he was going to enter the MTC. And I have to say, that's the same day my daughter Shelby went oh, into the it MTC. Is, isn't it? Yes. So I have fond memories of that day. Anyway, so approximately about 13 days beforehand, he had gone to the doctors for a routine um, checkup, um, and he learned that he had terminal cancer. So he had can- he'd had cancer in the past, uh, thought that it had been eradicated, and it returned, and it was now terminal. Um, he didn't have any symptoms. He was perfectly healthy. He thought this was going to be a normal physical, um, but uh, and he was looking good. And then they found this cancer on the MRI. So he obviously was not going to be able to go on a mission to New York. And so they made the appropriate phone calls and said, you know, hey, hey, things have kind of changed a little bit. And um, so the dad, the dad's name is Kirk. They were driving back to Wyoming from um, having some follow-up medical stuff in Salt Lake. Right. And on the drive, he's talking to his son, and his son says, I just wish I could go to New York. I was ready. I was getting excited. But with the cancer, I didn't think it was possible. Anyway, so um, his dad is kind of thinking about that. And so his dad tells him, he says, well, why don't we explore the idea of flying you out to Rochester so you could at least just see where you were going to going to serve? Well, then the next day, his dad receives an email from the mission president where he was supposed right. to serve. This was so cool. I, I loved this. It just gives me goosebumps. The mission president said, Hey, your son's name has been removed from my list of incoming missionaries. And, and I just, you know, I'm just concerned. I want to know what's going on. You know, is there anything I can do? And so then the dad, this opens the door for the dad to say, well, you know, Hey, here's what's going on. You know, is there any way we could come out to Rochester and he could at least visit the mission? And the mission president upped that and said, I can do even better. And so um, they he flew out to Rochester, I assume probably with his father, and he served an eight-day mission in a mm-hmm. trio companionship with the mission president's assistants. So cool. I thought that was so cool. And while they were there, he was able to talk with and teach a guy that had been diagnosed with colon cancer about the same time as this young man. And so they were able to, you know, really relate on this level. And the article goes on to talk about how um, he's realized, you know, I'm not serving a traditional mission. I'm serving a much different mission. And mm-hmm. my mission right now, while I'm still alive, is to um, inspire people and to let them know that there is peace in Jesus Christ. And one of his favorite songs is one called Peace in Christ. Right. And so he's really come to terms with the fact that, you know, hey, I've got a terminal situation. Now, now his parents, on the other hand, which I, I can't even imagine, right. you know, no. and the article talks about how do parents facing the unthinkable still testify of peace and hope. And the dad says, you know, sometimes I get angry with cancer and I have to go chop wood to let steam off. Um, but he says, you know, one of the challenges of life is to drink from the bitter cup without becoming bitter. 
Uh, feelings of anger, bitterness, doubt, and sadness are part of the feelings that naturally come at times like this. It's part of the deal. I can't control those feelings coming, but through the enabling and atoning power of Jesus Christ, I can choose not to let them take up residency in my heart and mind. And so here's what I really like that the dad says, Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, we, we faced that situation. Our mom passed away of cancer. Right. And, um, what the dad says is he says, a lot of people focus on what cancer takes away. I've actually started a list of some of the things cancer has given us. And I think what a great perspective mm-hmm. to be able to say, yeah, we're losing all of this, but look at some of the things we're gaining. Right. And it goes on to talk about how his son has just made a bucket list of, yeah, these are the things I want to do. Like cool things. And he's just going for it. And I'm going to live life to my fullest. And as I'm interacting with people, I'm going to tell them my story and tell them that I have peace in Christ. Right. Yeah. So it's a really cool story. Very cool story. Neat family. All right. Next story. Uh, taking a turn. This is about some polygamists. Love me some polygamists. So this is not necessarily members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints story, but this is adjacent. <laughs> it is adjacent. <laughs> Plus, I'm going to connect it. You, you, you give the. All right. You, you talk about the story, and then I will connect it All right. to current members. This was a story in the Salt Lake Tribune, and this is about a group of polygamists that gather every year at Rockland Ranch. Now, Rockland Ranch is in southern Utah. It's about 40 minutes south of Moab. On the Colorado River. On the Colorado River. They have a five-day polygamous jamboree down there every year. Who knew? I know. Who knew? I love, I think when Jeff posted this article on the Twin page, he put, polygamists, they're just like us or something (laughs) like that. Well, not quite. But... Some similar traditions. <laughs> they get together with their families and they say that one of the reasons that they do this, and and if you've ever studied, you know, kind of the modern day polygamists, they are not all of the same religious sect. Right. There are several different lots of different shoot offshoots of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that believe in polygamy. And so it's, you know, it's well, I don't know if it's like this or not. It's like, you know, there's different kinds of Baptists. Well, there's different kinds of polygamists. Yeah. And so, um, uh, but they all come together, at least anybody who wants to at right. this ranch, regardless of the sect. And I think it's very interesting because one of the things that they talk about is this is a chance for their young people to meet other people right. who are involved That's in polygamy right. and, and might want to eventually hook up. That's right. It talks about how they're used to living pretty rural and secluded yeah. lives. And then they see these other kids who are, you know, come from similar yeah. back. It's, it's like EFY for polygamists. Exactly. <laughs> so, so they do a bunch of outdoor things. They raft the river. They go four-wheeling. They have a testimony meeting at the end. Yes. Um, but it was interesting. They said uh, some years up to 500 people have come. Um, they've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, it did mention the most famous uh, offshoot, which is the Fundamentalist Church. The Warren Jeffs. The Warren Jeffs yes. line of the church. Um, and they did mention that so many people have left. Uh, it, they thought that once it had about 10,000 yeah. members, but now that everything has gone down with him, there's probably only a couple thousand left, oh, they believe, in his sect. And so it kind of implied that many of those former FLDS come to this uh, oh. as a place to congregate with other other people. So, well, what I thought was interesting is they say, okay, visitors need the consent of the host to attend, you know, so you can't just show up to the, uh, uh, to the Rockland ranch and expect admission. No, you can't be the Salt Lake Tribune reporter and just show up. Exactly. But here's what is really interesting. They say more than a half dozen polygamous churches were represented at the rock rally. That's Uh what they call it. The rock rally. And then they said, there were also a few monogamous members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the mainstream faith headed headquartered in Salt Lake yeah, City. Yeah, I saw that too. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, I, I are they just buddy buddies with the with the polygs? And they're like, are they buddy buddies? Can, can we come to your party? Are they investigating this? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just thinking to myself. I think if your bishop knew you were there, <laughs> that you might have a bit of a problem with your bishop. 
Yeah, I don't know. The, the church tries to distance itself yeah. and encourage members to distance themselves from. Maybe they're spies. Maybe they're spies. They're secret spies. <laughs> I don't know. Who I don't clearly know. weren't vetted by the Rock Rally people. I don't know what the draw is there. Anyway, I mean, I, I'm curious, but I myself, no, I don't think I'd go. <laughs> well, I want to know why the Salt Lake Tri- Tribune reporter didn't say, yo, active members, what y'all doing here? I promise I won't reveal your names. Yes. I have reporter confidentiality. Yes. But what's your draw? Yeah. Do you come every year? Are you a regular? <laughs> you got cousins here? <laughs> you know, is this part of your family reunion? Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, who who knew they had they had summer festivities Very curious. at the Rockland Ranch? Yep, there you go. All right, what's next? Okay, next we're going to talk about, um, and I'm just going to briefly mention this. I'm not going to mention this a lot. Um, of course, uh, there is a um, radio station down in Utah called KUER. Uh, they are the... Um, uh, public radio affiliate down there and they do a podcast. And so there is a transcript of, uh, of one of their podcasts. And the, this is titled Latter Day When Reverence for Mormon Church Leaders Creates an Air of Infallibility. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of intrigued by this. So you may have recalled, uh, I believe it was earlier this year, President Nelson went and spoke down in Florida right. uh, to about 15,000 people, I think. Um, actually it was in June he spoke, uh, in Orlando, Florida to a crowd of about 15,000. They had these banners there that you could stand in front of for a picture op. And the banner said, follow the prophet, Florida devotional, and people were standing in front of it for a picture op. Right. So, um, the reporter, this gentleman from KUER, his name is Lee Hale, uh, decides to interview Patrick Mason, who is a Mormon historian and professor at Utah State University. And he says, you know, I'm not surprised by this. And what I thought was really interesting is, um, he talks about, you know, how we came from the days of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young to kind of where we are now, mm-hmm. because while, um, he says that, you know, after Joseph died, when people said the prophet, they were still referring to Joseph. They right. weren't necessarily referring to Brigham. And this went on for years. You know, it mm-hmm. took years before the actual prophet then became the, the prophet. prophet. Whenever you said the prophet, you they thought everybody thought you meant Joseph Smith. Right. Which is so interesting. I never knew that. I, I never knew that either. And it wasn't until the mid 20th century when David O. McKay was the president, um, in the fifties and sixties. And he kind of had this aura about him, um, that resulted, um, in what we now have, which is this modern day, um, 20th century embodiment of a modern prophet. And that's when church members really started talking about the prophet in the present tense. And so the phrase follow the prophet that gets used a lot in contemporary Mormonism, it's a, very much a contemporary phrase that's, you you know, been about for, you know, 60 years or so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought that was so interesting because um, I don't know if it was, it was several epi- episodes ago, Jeff was talking about the David O. McKay biography right. and he was encouraging listeners. He said, you know, hey, if you haven't read this biography, you really know, need to go read it because it is really the defining history on how modern Mormonism arose. And I, I hadn't even really realized that there was this David O. McKay biography that was mm-hmm. so good. And he said it was wonderful. So I thought, oh, maybe I need to get that from Deseret Book. Well, before I got it from Deseret Book, I started scanning my bookshelves. Well, I asked my husband, I said, did you ever buy this book? And he said, no, I never bought this book. I found it on my bookshelf. I think I inherited it in the divorce and didn't know it. <laughs> So, so your ex-husband bought the book. I believe my ex-husband <laughs> probably bought the book. I don't know if he read it. Or, well, he probably did read it, at least parts of it. So I started reading the book, and I'm going to give a plug. I really like it so uh-huh. far. It's a big, thick, meaty book, but it's very well written. Rather than chunk it out into you know a timeline of A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. it's chunked out into sections. So I literally started in the middle of the book reading about the missionary section mm-hmm. and how he retooled the missionary program. Mm-hmm. I'm now into temples and how he's retooling the temples. Interesting. So I thought it was very interesting that this kind of modern day celebrity status that sometimes we give to two prophets, mm-hmm. uh, really arose in the David O. McKay era. Very interesting. So, okay. So go listen to that podcast. Sounds interesting. Exactly. 
All right. Oh, next we have, oh, there was a really good article that came out a day or two ago in the Salt Lake Tribune by Peggy Fletcher Stack. And she interviewed the church historian, now on his way out, church historian and recorder, Elder Stephen E. Snow. Oh. So he has been the historian and recorder since 2012. Okay. And at next conference, it will he'll be turned emeritus. Okay. And his time is done. Um, but under his leadership, we've gotten so much of our current day, what we're getting yeah. on new information on church history, not new, newly presented, newly presented <laughs> information on church history, the um, essays and articles yeah. that all kind of started with him, or at least it came out during his leadership. And so she interviewed him and it was a really interesting article oh. to hear his perspective. And he, of course, gives a lot of credit to the general authority that had that position before him, which was Marlon Jensen. Yes. Uh, because he got the ball rolling on a lot of this. And then this Elder Snow kind of followed up. But she uh, interviews him and asks him, you know, all kinds of things about the controversies and the essays and, you know, the historical stuff and how he did this. And and uh, he talks about what a fine line it was in the wording and of these yeah. articles. And, you know, they would research it. And he hired underneath him, like, actual historians. Yes. to come on board and help with this. Oh, interesting. He is an attorney by trade. Okay. Um, but he hired lots of historians. To do the research. To come on and be a part of this project to make sure they had it worded correctly. And then, yeah. of course, everything is presented to the yeah. 12 uh, for approval. But it was a really good, interesting article to read about his background and uh, his feelings on things and and how this all came about. So I suggest reading it. It was very good. Okay. Well, you know, I say kudos to Marlon Jensen for getting the ball rolling mm -hmm. and double kudos for him for keeping that ball rolling. Because I think especially with the millennials of today who have the internet and have access to so much information immediately, mm -hmm. they're not going to buy whitewashed, whitewashed versions of anything. Yeah. You know, you have to be transparent. And, you know... Win, lose, or draw, there's some stuff that's, you know, not everything that the church has done has been favorable to the church. Right. You know, and that goes back to the previous article that I was talking about, the infallibility of leaders. Right. They're men. They're not infallible. And so we need to keep that in mind that, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. decisions were made and things happened and, you know, lesson learned. Yeah. Pick up and move on. And and the, they have, I mean, over since he's been in this position. Yeah. The views on this from the church have dramatically changed. 180 degree, degree difference. From, you know, ignoring yeah. it to, okay, let's yeah. hit it head on. Yeah. So. And let's hit it with our research and mm -hmm. our essays so that when people go out there on the internet, they are not just seeing stuff that is, that is not controlled by the right. church, but they're at least seeing the church's viewpoint to be able to point counterpoint. Right. Yeah. So. So, and that didn't exist before. No, it didn't. So, very interesting article. All right. Next thing we have, it was, you know, we love a good LDS living. <laughs> yes, we do. They had a list of Trek tweets. I found this particularly funny because, as you know, if you listened, I had my first Trek experience this summer, not through myself. I was home in my nice air conditioned home, but my 12 year old daughter went on Trek. <laughs> And she loved it. She loved it so much. She had a great time. Oh, that's awesome. And I didn't really know what to expect going into it, but I will say now that it's over, I appreciate it. Uh -huh. I wasn't sure if I was going to come out feeling like worth it, not worth it. Yeah. It was an amazing experience for her. But I also at the same time think that it was doing something hard that made it such an amazing okay. experience. So, I mean, Trek was great. Yeah. But no matter what they do with new programs, yeah. because I think there's some suspicion that Trex yeah. might go away, I think it could be replaced with doing anything that yeah. was challenging exactly. and hard. And get to the kids out of what mm -hmm. they normally do. Yeah. So. But re re but give us the Trek tweets the because Trek tweets they're hilarious. Are, are so funny. So LDS Living compiled a list of tweets and that this people is have trekked with the hat or tweeted yes with the hashtag trek probs yes 
So these are Trek probs, and they were joking about how our pioneer ancestors would probably be laughing at our Trek probs. <laughs> they were probably laughing at the fact that we're doing Treks. They would probably be rolling <laughs> their eyes at our Trek probs going, are you kidding me? But I'll read a few of my favorites. One said, deciding whether or not to sneak food onto Trek. Hashtag Trek probs. We actually had this problem. My daughter really wanted to take some candy, uh-huh. but they had the pre-Trek preparatory preparations. Yes. They had a bear like discussion of bears and were warned, do not bring anything. The bears will find you. Oh, And so she was too scared. I bought her like some mints to take uh-huh. in her bucket. And she's like, but what if the bears can smell them? I'm like, I don't know. That's the difference between a 12 year old and a 16 year old. <laughs> okay. So another one that somebody tweeted, I love this one so much. There was an amazing sunset on Wyoming. And all I could think was I didn't have my phone to take a picture of it. <laughs> This other uh, Lauren Rhodes tweeted, I still can't even be in the same room as beef jerky. No, I thought that was hilarious. Trek probs. Uh, one more. We'll just read one more. There's like 18 or 20 yes. of these. But one more I thought was funny. That awkward moment when you thought you got a tan, but then you get in the shower. <laughs> Trek probs. And that is for real. My daughter had... How dirty was she when she oh came my home? Goodness. When I picked her up. There was dirt on her face, visible dirt on her face. But what was cracking me up were her eyebrows. Her eyebrows had so much dirt in them that she had some pretty thick looking eyebrows. Oh, dang. Because <laughs> so. she's a blondie. So it must yes. have like been different to see all the dirt in. Oh, yeah. Her eyebrows were definitely a few shades darker. <laughs> That's and one she way to tint she was your eyebrows, ladies. Makeup on track. <laughs> All right. So we'll do a quick shout out on this next one. Uh, the title is Mormon Church prepares to put Main Street Park City building on the market. Apparently, the Mormon Church owns a piece of property, Main Street in Park City. You may think, well, that's not very fertile ground. They had actually purchased it before 2002 with the intent of uh, it's a uh, family tree center. So they were um, wanting to capture uh, on the Olympics and mm-hmm. people who would be there wanting to search their family tree. And I guess it was quite popular, especially during the Olympics. And it still stayed relatively popular, but they have decided now uh, they have closed down that family tree center. And so uh, it's going to be put on the market. I thought this was really interesting. It said the property will be listed without an asking price. Um, oh, darn, I was going to say how much, how much, I how know. Much? So I, I guess you have to like determine what you think the value is and make an offer. But let me tell you, they want the listing to be finalized before ski season. So, you know, only a few more months till the snowflakes fly. So if you're looking for property in Park City, the church has something that you might want to buy. Better jump on that. Yes. All right. This last one is for, you know, our lovely segment, Mormons Behaving Badly. Oh, yes. This is a really funny one. Okay. I'm going to let you talk about this one. You thought this one was hilarious. I was laughing so hard. I thought it was so funny. So... Utah, this was a Salt Lake Tribune article yes. that came out recently. Uh, Utah, they, they said in this article, voter fraud is extremely rare in Utah. But when it does happen in Utah, it turns out quite frequently it is done by missionary moms. <laughs> oh, those naughty, naughty missionary moms. So oftentimes missionary moms, while their kids are away on their missions, especially probably foreign, they'll get, you know, Utah has switched to mostly a vote by mail state. And they'll so get, they order themselves up a ballot for their, their kids. Yeah, or else it will automatically come yeah. and they'll think, well, I don't know if he can get it in time and get it back in, so I'll just vote for him. And then they sign the back and it was hilarious. I didn't realize that, I mean, this is good to know. Yes. They they interviewed uh, elections offices in Utah County and in Salt Lake County. Yes. Apparently, this happens more often in Utah County. But Salt Lake Imagine County that. has seen it happen. But the election officials in Utah County said that they really do check the signatures and that sometimes uh, they will notice that the signature on the envelope does not match the one they have on file for the voter. And the... <laughs> The lady they <laughs> interviewed, uh, her name was Roseanne Mitchell. She's the Utah County Elections Director. And she said, you say, I'm pretty sure that Nathan's signature is not that fancy and loopy. <laughs> 
And then they'll look at the mother and mother's, you know, voter registration uh-huh. and say that signature matches his mother's to a T. <laughs> And then I'm assuming they chuck it. It said that it is actually a misdemeanor and you can be punished up to a year in jail or a $2,500 fine. So this actually is a very serious offense, but it sounds like when it happens with a mom, they usually just chuck it and, you know, tell them to knock it off. Well, and and I I think the article said that, you know, occasionally they'll use it as an education and they will call up the mom and they'll go, you know, we got your son's ballot in the mail and the signature doesn't look very much like his. It looks a lot like yours. Uh, But they've never prosecuted anybody for this because, yes, they generally just chuck the ballots. But then they've also said, too, at the end of the article, I thought this was really funny, that um, sometimes well-meaning mission moms rat themselves out in situations like this. (laughs) So, you know, maybe they fill out the ballot, sign it, send it in. And then afterwards they have that wave of guilt of how am I going to answer the temple questions? If I'm honest, they realize that maybe that forged my son's signature. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I thought this was so funny. It said in Utah County, uh, last year they had to exclude a 1,074 mail-in ballots, and it said about 135 of those 1,000 were because the signature looked inconsistent with the one on file. There you go, you moms of missionaries. Interesting. Quit being naughty and trying to vote for your missionary children. Do not be tempted. Do not let Satan tempt you. This is what I want to know. Do they... Do they email their missionary and say, who would you vote for? Or do they just make an educated guess? Oh, heavens no. (laughs) If you're going to go as far as to forge your missionary signature, you're telling your missionary who they're voting for. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Let's move on to my favorite things. Our favorite things. Our favorite things. We like to share just because... Do you want me to go ahead and start? Sure, go for it. You know, I had a hard time this month just because it's been so crazy with just all sorts of activities with the kids going on. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you what I watched last week. So I was a huge fan of Beverly Hills 90210 in the 90s, watched it, loved it, tuned in weekly. So they did the reboot. And I was kind of skeptical skeptical because usually the reboot is never as good as the original. Right. And so when I first started watching the reboot, it was really playing with my mind because it was the real people. It was like Jason Priestley as Jason Priestley. Right. It wasn't Jason Priestley as Brandon Walsh. And so... Uh, and I mean, and it was totally messing with my mind. So they were getting together as real people and some of their storylines were real. Some of them were, it was bizarre and I couldn't wrap my head around it. Well, then by the end, they decide to get together as real people to do a reboot of the show. So now we have a show within a show and now I'm completely fascinated because there's going to be two different (laughs) storylines, the storylines going on for the characters in the show and the storylines for the people who are playing the characters in the show. Very clever. It is very clever. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. You told me it was good. And so I watched it and my husband actually watched it with me. Get out of town. He did not. And we thought it was kind of funny. I know. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah, I am too. So Okay, your turn. Okay, my favorite thing is a book. Okay. This is a book I've been working on for like probably four months now. Oh dear. (laughs) Not because it wasn't good, but just because... I just pick it up when I got a chance uh-huh. and read a little here and there. Um, and I've been busy, but it was a very good book. Um, the book is called Five Presidents. Oh, I think you told me about yes, this. I told you about this. It's a book for a little book club I uh-huh. participate in that's coming up later in the year. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working on it for several months. It's uh, written by Clint Hill, who is a former uh Secret Service agent, oh. and he served under Eisenhower, Nixon, uh, Kennedy, okay. Ford. Is that all of them? Well, no, he would have oh, Johnson. Johnson in yes. there. Yes. So he served through uh, the assassination, uh-huh. and it was really interesting. Oh, that so does it's sound just fascinating. His account of all these years of serving and behind the scenes, and kind of how it works. And well, and if he's Secret Service, he's going to know where all the skeletons are buried, right? And I mean, he didn't share that much. Well, of course not. Dirt. But <laughs> but it was interesting to just see how they operate and like all the work that goes into getting things ready when these presidents travel. And then, of course, he talked about the assassination. He was okay, right so there. Did you buy the book or did you 
get it from the library. Um, no, I got it. Our, our book club does like a book okay. exchange. And I, this is the book I ended up with oh, for this year. Okay. Um, well, then you're going to have to pass it on so to yeah, me when you're yeah, done. I'll let you borrow it. I thought it was really okay. interesting. Yeah, Very I totally, good book. Totally get off on that. Fun so. to just, you know, read when you get a chance. It's okay. not like... You know, After I make my way through that McKay biography. That's right. <laughs> anyway, right. well, I think that about wraps it up for us. I so that's it for August. Twim Nation, enjoy the last few moments of a waning summer before kids start back to school and fall kicks in. That's right. And we're happy to have you with us here tonight. Thank you for listening. Oh, my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside our door I hate to wake you up to say goodbye But the dawn is breaking, it's early